exactly do y'all stand for? What are your goals and objectives? You know what? It seems pretty bold to ask something like that, seeing as how the only thing on most straight black men's resume is audacity. Y'all are literally the least qualified out of anybody in this country to lead somebody, but y'all always want to be in the front. But you know what? It's a special place in hell for a bitch like you that causes division amongst the entire community of people. Out of every subsection of the black community, y'all are the least educated and the most incarcerated. Please tell me what qualifies you besides the dick between your legs to lead somebody into anything. Y'all always want people to breathe life into y'all. But at this point, it's just pure necromancy because we have no more life to give. Y'all suck the life out of every fucking thing. I mean, let's call the thing a thing. Y'all want to be white men so fucking bad. Y'all see white men at the heads of their household and y'all can't even get a household to be the head of. Asking women questions like what do they bring to the table when you don't even own your table, you rent it. Hell, that's even if you do rent it because it's probably in your mama name. I mean, if we could call the thing a thing, y'all are the common denominator out of every issue that we have in the black community. Y'all are literally the root cause. Blame black women for fatherless behavior, but then fail to realize that the father is the person that you're not blaming. Y'all blame men for being gay and say, yo, you grew up without a father. Do you see how you just pointed back to the issue? Y'all blame women for having too many kids as if they made them kids by themselves. You keep pointing back to the issue. Y'all be wanting people to hold y'all down, but at the same time, if they too good at it, then they too independent. Then you want to say, oh, yeah, like you don't need me. They kind of don't. Maybe what y'all should start considering is that maybe our community is meant to be matriarchal. But y'all just can't accept it because it doesn't fit into what the white man has told you to believe. You're trying to do everything that the white man does, but you're just trying to do it in black. It's literally the same shit. I mean, y'all are the most homophobic, the most misogynistic, the most transphobic, the most colorist, the most texturist, like the most xenophobic. And you are the most likely to date outside of your race. Y'all are a walking contradiction and a walking joke. And it's not funny. I always want to talk about breaking generational curses and building generational wealth. But you don't even have life insurance. Anytime you die, we got to do a damn GoFundMe. Y'all can't even die right. Y'all been trying to stick this square peg in a round hole for centuries and it just doesn't work because you're not meant to be the head of the household you were never meant to be that's why the shit doesn't work you're listening to spoken soul sessions you ready my man with poetic black Ain't nothing holding me back but me and who's holding you but you but you. Check this out, man. Spoken Soul Sessions. Oh my God. This is Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Bold stances and lewd advances got us here. You are listening to Spoken Soul Sessions with Poetic Black. We start from scratch. New possibilities. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black, and I'm happy to be here today. Spoken Soul Family was good. We have a great, great, great show lined up for you guys today. I hope 
I hope you're on your path today. I hope you're not allowing anything or anyone impede your progress. I hope you're steadfast on the goal. Success. To prepare for tomorrow's blessing, you have to start preparing today. Spoken Soul family, we're back at it again with another panel discussion as promised, as promised. I told you guys that uh, we was going to start adding this element into the into the podcast, <clears throat> and I think it was a it was a brilliant ad because you have different poets, and you know how poets think the personality of a poet, but the feedback that we can get from a poet's mind, I believe, is amazing. So coming back again with the panel discussion, today's discussion, we did once the first one we did the negative stereotypes concerning the black woman, the strong black woman, the negative stereotypes that surround that trope. Today, we're going to talk about the negative stereotypes that surrounds the black man. And to do this, I got some very special guests in the building today. Two of these panelists are previous. uh, I interviewed both of them on this show before. And uh, we have a new one. My brother, Mr. 668. Three dope poets and coming back from the first show, she's no stranger. We have Lady Obsidian Rain. Now, we know about Lady Obsidian Rain. You know, we know about her, man. She she came on the show and showed out uh, in the last discussion we had, man. And, and I thought we'd just bring her back, you know, so she can add more value to the conversation. And then none other than my brother. You know, this is my homie. Everybody know this is my ace. You know, uh, my brother, Mr. Written in Pain. Now, we have another surprise, you know, later on the show, we'll get into that. But uh, welcome to the show, all of you guys. Welcome to the show. Glad, glad to have you all here. Yes, greatly appreciate you. All right, now, this is going to be a great discussion. Now, let me preface the video in the beginning of the show. Now, I, I came across this video on TikTok doing my little surfing thing and all that and this this it came up on my thread and i watched it and i was like i think it came up under the guise of black men who support black women and this was the video that came up and it it just blew me it blew me so i'm listening to this brother i don't know his name but the video has done numbers it's all around social media you can check it out and uh this is his so-called attempt to defend the black woman. Now, I was pretty much appalled by the video. I think it didn't represent black men in the least. You know, I know a lot of strong black men, you know, and um, I don't think it represents us in the least. So uh, let's start the panel off and uh, let's get everybody's overall overall take on the video miss obsidian lady obsidian ring we're going to start with you 
What did you think about the video? Uh, to be honest, I watched it several times um, because I can, as a woman, I can understand the perspective that he sees. Do I think it's completely accurate? No. Um, there were some points where I was like, that's, that's not fair. That's not a fair thing to say that they're not capable of leading. I know that there are many black men who are capable of leading. There are black men who do lead and have healthy relationships and, you know, have healthy families. So to generalize that and say all black men, that itself is damaging and it's not going to do any good to our community. So in that aspect, no, I did not agree with everything in that video, but I do understand where a lot of it comes from. Mm. You know, being a single mom, you know, growing up, you know, <laughs> with a single mother, I, I, I see, but we're all capable of change. I also am a firm believer is like, as one person heals, we can heal the next person by showing them better. It's like once you know better, you can do better. If all we are seeing is that negative stereotype, these are what's in our movies, these are what's in our TV shows, this is what's being perpetuated within a community, then what else are they supposed to look to, to resonate with, to say, oh, I can do it like he does and not be called a sellout, not be called oh, I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses or I want to be like the white man. Like that itself is damaging because now you're going to you're going to reject that. You're not going to want to, you know, emulate that change because now you're going to think that you do so and they're going to tag something else onto it. Mm. It's kind of like it's kind of like affirmative action. And this might be stretching it a bit, but I remember getting to an argument in one of my classes about this because it's like, you're going to tell me that I'm going to work my butt off to be somewhere and do something. And then you tell me that I, I'm only this way because of affirmative action. Mm. As I like saying, I want to have a healthy family. I want to live a successful life. And you're telling me I'm only doing that because I'm trying to be like the white man. Like that doesn't do any good. Definitely. Definitely. So, I, go ahead. Go ahead. I, no, I'm saying so in that regards, that's how I kind of looked at the video. Mm. Definitely. All right, Mr. 668, what was your your initial take on the video? Um, well, I, I watched it several times as well. Um, I mean, I, you know, a lot of times when I hear people speaking, you know, I'm looking a little more into who the person is and not knowing him, but I believe that he was gay. So I think a lot of it was just aggression coming probably coming from both sides of things that he's experienced as being gay and things he's experienced as being a black man mm. being gay which is you know which is a double-edged sword against against him in all ways and shapes and forms um but you know but like uh lady obsidian was saying you know even even when we watch things like um the cosby show growing up you know, there's a lot of people that were saying, oh, you know, Cosby show is fake, you know, because their reality was no father in the household, you know, single mom, you know, things like that. So mm. when they see something like the Cosby show and, you know, an entire, uh, you know, family and a nucleus, nucleus and, you know, things like that, they looked at that as unattainable. Mm. So, you know listening to something like this. No, I, I didn't agree. I, like she said, I understood where he was coming from. Um, 
but I didn't necessarily agree with the strength of the aggression towards it. Mm. You know, um, there's always going to be whatever you look at, there's always going to be, um, you know, one apple that spoils the bunch. And you know how the media portrays us on TV. You know, if it's if it's white kids that are, you know, partying after a hockey game or, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a Super Bowl or something like that, they're rowdy teenagers. Mm-hmm. When we do it, it's a you know, it's a group of thugs. Yeah. You know, so the media, this country, you know, just the way that it's helped to, you know, perpetuate who we are and how we are. Um, I mean, you know that the number one stance in this country is to break the black family. I mean, you know, while we see so many black men in prison, um, you know, doing hard time for, you know, an ounce of weed, mm. 20 years. You know, I mean, the purpose of what they're doing is to break that family. Um, So I think, you know, when you put all of those combinations together, there are definitely things that that we are doing. um, But then there are things that, you know, we are being set up, you know, and and are being perpetrated, you know, against us as far as that's concerned. So, you know, I mean, it's a it's an uphill battle, you know, that we have. But. You know, we definitely, I don't think that we're, I, I definitely don't think that we're any longer in that time of where we have very public black images the way that we did, you know, say in the 60s and the 70s and things like that, you know, where you had Martin and Malcolm, and even though they were two ends of the spectrum, you know, um, we had just a lot of like in your face black leaders, which I'm not saying that we don't now, but we don't have as many that are, you know, as prominent, you know, as they were at, at that particular time. So it's some mm. things to think about. Definitely. Definitely. Mr. Written in Pain, what was your, your initial? view of the video or your overall take of it i mean a lot of what i'm gonna say just gonna echo what 68 was saying i definitely felt like i felt like his aggression was more towards heterosexual males than anything that's just my take and you know i don't my end of judging what that was about but that was just my take like he seemed more it seemed like it was more of an attack against heterosexual men like it was personal Um, right However, also the thing about that whole bit about the life insurance, I just feel like that has to do with like responsibility. <laughs> and I think there's irresponsible people in every race and in every culture. So that was stupid. The thing about being the head of the table, what I found interesting about that is that as black people, you already understand that the table isn't in our house. So it's just like, Anytime there's ever been any kind of movement or any kind of step towards black people doing anything, there's always been a resistance or an anti or infiltration or an assassination or some type of bombing or Mm. something would happen to thwart said movement. It's not like black people can't organize. It's not like black people haven't had leaders. It's not like we haven't even had leaders in this century because we have, but things happen. And these things get thwarted, and then there's all there's always a distraction, and there's always something anti 
black people trying to get anything done. And I and that I don't think that even has to do with sexes. I think that it has to just do with black people as a people. We just always have obstacles whenever we are trying to do things. So there's a video on YouTube I find interesting. I don't know if you guys saw it, but it shows like a um it's a race. It's a mar- it's, it's a race taking place between a, a black person and like two white people. So the race is starting in like the 1600s. So they're like on your mark, it's set, go. And the guy lets off the gun and the two white people start running. And the black person is still there like 1700s, 1800s, 1920, Hmm. 1950, 1960. And then the black person starts running and it's like, yo, that's real. And then during the race, you see all of these things that's in front of this guy while he's trying to run this race. And the white people are lapping him in the race. I just found that video interesting because it was very metaphoric for the kind of obstacles we have. So I just felt like his aggression, a lot of things he was saying was unfair and some of it honestly sounded stupid. Definitely. Now, like like my take on the video, like what you guys said about him directing it towards heterosexual men, it felt like, it definitely felt like it was some aggression there. Like it was personal. You know, it was personal. And... Like I always say, you know, the African-American, the so-called African-American is is very unique from other black people on the planet. And the thing that makes us unique is that we have we don't have an identity. We don't have an identity. And, you know, the word gets thrown around loosely. But when we really look at it, we really lack in an identity. So when you look at different religions, you find black people. No matter what religion we know, we know in this in this society, in this culture, you'll find African-Americans a part of it. And the reason why, because we we're searching for that identity. We don't know who we are. And a lot of times that aggression or that confusion of us not knowing who we are, it comes out towards one another. Now, this is I did the poem before. Payne, you know about this. Matthew, we did a whole little little skit about the coon you know what i mean we did the uh hollywood shuffle we did a whole little you know a little play type skit on the hollywood shuffle and it's always even when you go back to slavery in the time of slavery it was always black against black they find something to make us fight about or with with one another in order to keep us distracted long enough so they can keep us down So you'll see that in the black community, when you go back to the 60s, the 50s, the black father was definitely in the household. He was there. You know what I'm saying? Even if you go back into the time of slavery, the the father was there unless the slave master decided to sell him or to split the family up deliberately. But the presence of the black father was always there. Then it became when you got with Lyndon B. Johnson, when he when he started to initiate the welfare program and he made the requirements that you couldn't be in the house. The male couldn't be in the house if you wanted to get public assistance. And they will only enforce this in the black communities, in the black households, because you have more white people getting welfare. But they wasn't they wasn't enforcing this. But in the black community it was enforcing. They would come and they would send their little workers and all that. I remember when I was growing up, it was it, it was funny because when I was growing up, I remember instances when my grandmother would be like trying to clean the house, making sure there was no male presence there. 
Like move those shoes Take this You know what I'm saying Put it in the closet Because the, the social people coming The people coming You know what I'm saying Them white folks coming And they come in Looking in all the rooms Looking everything And they looking for A male presence there Wow and, and, and it was done deliberately. So when you have these types, like, like Payne was talking about, you got these different types of obstacles put in front of you. You know what I mean? And then you, a black male, have the audacity to come up and say these things, knowing all of the obstacles that was put in front of us deliberately is like a slap in the face. Like, who whose side you're on? Like, what's your real aim? Like, he what's your agenda? Because he's a gay black male. So, well, you know what? Let me not. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no, he he definitely does. And 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 the worst thing about it is that he probably has more obstacles within his own community mm. than outside of his community. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, you know, just to expand it, if we're talking about you know, just the, the the vicious circle that happens within the black community. Um, you know, so many hidden secrets that we have within families of, mm. you know, um, you know, people being, you know, raped by uncles uh, and family friends. Yep. And, you know, parents may know about it, but kids don't never speak on it. And you got you got women and men that are in their 30s, 40s, and 50s that are holding on to this stuff that's happened within the family. Mm. And then you have families that are completely disowning their children if they're gay. You know, so he probably has it 10 times worse within the community than he ever would outside of it. Indeed. You know, Great point. Um, it's, it's an unfortunate truth. But, you know, I mean, I, I did, I did agree with you know, some of the things that he was talking about in reference to, you know, people pointing out, you know, single women with children, you know, not understanding that, okay, she's single with children because the father's not there, mm. you know, and you got a lot of, you got a lot of men out there that are not present, you know, as fathers, <laughs> um, which equals single women, you know, with children. So, I mean, in reference to you know comments like that, I gotta agree with that. Definitely right know? on point, Lady yeah, Obsidian. So. I see you over there. I see you over there. I see you over there aching. I know how you give it up. Like, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> let's take you know, it there. It, it's one of those things. It's like you made a, a statement about you know asking women what they bring to the table and how like the table isn't in their house. So even if understanding that yes, there's something that we have to do together to sit there and ask a woman what she brings to the table. And I've had a conversation about this on on my show is basically saying, or I don't see value in you. Hmm. And that's very damaging. So for in that aspect, when he brought that up in the video, I can I can acknowledge that because I've had I've had people say that to me, like, what do I bring to the table? And I'm just like, so you're telling me that my only inherent value is what you can get from me. Mm. Instead mm. of us being able to build a table together and grow together. Okay. Now, now this is what, this is part of the show right here. That's just, things is about to get interesting. Cause I heard my brother over here. He let out a sigh and right. I know him. <laughs> I know him. I know him. So I know 
I know here it comes. This this is what we've been waiting for. Now, go ahead. Finish your thought, Lady Obsidian, please. Because I wasn't going to say anything until he said something. <laughs> I was just sitting in my head like, Did he, that was the part of the video he's going to acknowledge? All right. Then I guess I will say something about it because I, I've had to deal with that. Mm. And it, it is damaging and it makes women think like, well, if I have to then bring something to you for, for you to then have something like, okay, so then what is it now it becomes a transactional thing. Mm. Okay, so... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. You've used them. I'm Lady Obsidian. I'm good. Are we coming right back to you? But go ahead. Let's let's go, Ping. I want to hear what's on your mind. You know what? Because I had to be clear before I responded to what you said. I think I think the purpose of relationship is what is at the core here, and I think when people get into relationships. I don't think all parties are always clear about what it means to be in a relationship. And I'm not I'm not stereotyping, but I think a lot of times relationships are forged primarily or mostly on emotions. And I don't know how that works out a lot of times, but I feel like asking someone what they're going to bring to the table is a valid question. If you're talking about putting together or building something with somebody, I think if me and you are going to build something and I got bricks and cement and you walk up and I say, okay, what, how are you going to help me build this house? I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm disrespecting you or not finding value in you by asking you this question, because the truth of the matter could be that what you are bringing are things I'm not interested in. So with, like getting to know a person, you can see that for yourself. Because there are a lot of people who talk a good game. And when you come to it, all they're giving you is cards. Mm. See, But we know that that's True. not how relationships happen. Right. Because it always things start from a conversational kind of thing. So if I'm talking to you, like if I find you cool. I might find you enjoyable to hang out with. I might like talking to you about sports. But if we're now stepping into a realm of I'm thinking about being in a relationship with you, I may have a different set of questions. There may be a different criteria than being my friend, than being my woman. Mm. I get all of that. And that's what that's like the, the whole process. Like you skip a process of getting to know somebody to know what it is that they're capable of. So that question becomes null and void unless you're looking for, you know, build a wife. Let me just go see if you have all these boxes that I can just check off and just slide into. But if you are getting to know a person, you know that you're still capable of building with them. If anything slips at any point, are you going to be there to help her get back to a point where she's able to? keep putting back in this stuff because having a conversation people lie all day people lie with their whole bodies for years mm. so like assumptions is why relationships don't last though people unwilling to grow is the reason why relationships don't last i'll say like when you look at it right and it, it, it it's gonna segue into the next video which is which is very pertinent it's very it correlates to this topic to the T because uh, like when you gotta, you gotta realize that men, just men, men are very simple, man. Men are very simple and men will catch on to patterns and behaviors. That's how we get through a lot of stuff. We'll know, we'll know the pattern and behavior of 
girlfriend mode, the pattern behavior of wife mode, the, the you know what I'm saying the pattern behavior of things. So when you really look at it, right, you prime in these men in the black community, like in the 80s, we go back to the 80s. In the 80s, it was the revolution of what can you do for me? What have you done for me lately? Remember that? That number one song. What have you done for me lately? And that, you know what I'm saying? That era, it became an era when women was voicing their opinion. Like before that, women wasn't really voicing what they wanted. They wasn't saying, oh, you, you know what I'm saying? It was just being submissive and, oh, I'm going to be a good homemaker and whatever the case may be. But when the 80s came, women got more bolder and they started to really verbalize what they wanted. What you going to do for me? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. No, it was it was those direct questions to men that addressing the issue, what pretty much what you're bringing to the table, what you're bringing to the table. So now men are accustomed to this, okay, I, I I I went and got the bacon. I went and got the bread. My pockets are fat now. So now, cryptocurrency. You know what I'm saying? So now, so now, you know what I'm saying? He got his crypto game up. So now he feel that he's running the show. He's feeling that like, okay, the the ball is in my court now because you said, what am I doing for you lately? Look, I done bought you Chanel. I done got you some Vicky secrets and all that. And you know and what I'm saying? It keeps us in this dysfunctional pattern of transactional, you know, interaction. But I, I, I understand. If you go, go back further from that, it was like, you know, men were off at war. Women had to kind of take care of everything. They would come and get their physical needs met, weren't meeting her emotional needs, were messing around with all other kinds of women. So I guess in that point, it, it did be, it did make sense that, you know, now that we're more financially capable of standing on our own to then ask, okay, are you going to meet the emotional psychological needs of mind if i am sitting here and i'm doing you know the financial stuff what else are you are you going to do so i can i can see that and that's what's like it's like you know like you said it's this vicious cycle within our community it's tit for tat oh well before they weren't capable of doing this so now we're going to ask them to step up now they're like okay well now i'm in this position so now i'm asking you where do you stand in this it's all this pointing fingers and nobody is willing to just say, hey, this is what I'm capable of. Does it match with you? If not, then good. But mm. why do we have to sit down and tear each other down and say, oh, well, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You're incapable of doing this. Uh, I need to know. Do, I need. Here's my checklist. Do you fit all these boxes for me? Mm. I feel you. I feel you. And, 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 I've, and, I, and I believe that there is a dif- dysfunction there. And it's the reason why we can't get on the same page. Because we're all with the expectations of one another are, are a little warped. You know what I'm saying? They're warped because I'm telling you, men thinking now, when you really look at it, because back in the days, the whole when I was growing up as a kid, becoming a young man, it was like you had to do something sweet for your lady. You had to, you know what I'm saying? You had to buy her something, take her to the movies. That was your girl. You wanted to do, what was the, the famous joint we used to buy our girlfriends? Them 5411s. I know, I know pain know about them joints. The 5411s, the Reebok 5411s. Yo, that's my shorty right there. She ain't got this color. Yo, I'm about to cop them for. You know what I'm saying? We remember the 5411s. We remember those. But it was, this was how we was brought up. So now the dynamic is definitely changing. And in that, in that transformation, you have women now who can buy their own 5411s. So now they're looking and expecting more. And now men are like, yo, 5411s wasn't bad back then. Like, what's wrong with 5411s now? And the times are changing. But we can't get on that same page. Mr. 668, what you got to contribute, my brother? 
I would say, I mean, I think, you know, to be honest, and, and, and this is just from my observations, um, just as far as black men are concerned, um, we do a lot of faking the funk, mm. you know, we do a lot of, you know, I got a head of Gucci and the Bally's and the this and the that. Um, but then when it come down to it, it's like, you really can't afford what you have. Like, instead of presenting ourselves as who we are, and then that person either taking or leaving it, we presenting ourselves to be bigger than we really are. Mm. And then when we when we really get into the thick of it, we can't really maintain that bigger than we really are because that was only supposed to be a temporary show to get what we were trying to get. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um you know, I mean, my whole thing, you know, I mean, when, when I was growing up, shit, if I couldn't afford to take you to an expensive restaurant, I wasn't spending my entire paycheck mm. trying to <laughs> impress somebody and be broke for the next two weeks from taking them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I couldn't do that, then it was just like, listen, I can't do that if that's what they were expecting. But then I think on the same token, we think the fact that Every woman out there is expecting us to have these deep pockets mm. and and be these, you know, these bigger than life things. And every woman is not expecting that. That's that. You know, that's a great point. There's a lot of women out there that's just like, listen, yeah, I just want somebody yeah. who's going to, you know, see me as the same or equal or listen to me or just love me or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, I don't need the Gucci bags and the this and the that. But I think, you know, for a lot of us, we feel like that's what they're looking for. So sometimes we get on the defense before we even get a chance to know someone with the assumption that, you know, she she trying to get at my pockets. Hmm. And it's like, she got her own place, her own car, her own money. She likes you because she likes you. Mm. And I think some of us, it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that because we too busy trying to be something that we're not, you know, for a temporary moment. I I tell all people, I'm like, if you buy your lady a steak dinner every Friday and bring her two dozen roses, you better do that shit for the rest of the time that y'all together. Mm. Don't do that shit until you get the girl and then stop doing that shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Indeed. Keep and I, doing it. And 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 I I believe that that's the key. The key is the perception of what men are expecting from women, and what what they're expecting of us. Because a lot of men, we fall into that trap. We fall into that trap. I give you I give you a prime example. I'll share some with you guys. Now, my first wife, when I was in the, the Islamic religion, I married right. And uh, my wife, it, this was crazy because the whole, the way it's set up is you got to go to the mosque and you have a couple of sit downs and things of that nature. You get to know each other. And pretty much the imam would set it up and you, you guys would get married. So <clears throat> in this situation, it was a sister that I was trying to marry. And uh, actually, we were married already. We got divorced and we was trying to get married again. So put it out there like that. So anyway, 
I went to the mosque and I had to meet with her Wakil. A Wakil is a, like a protector of the woman. She he take care of all her affairs and make sure she ain't getting railroaded and things of that nature in the marriage um, situation. So I meet with her Wakil. And at the time, you know, things was hard. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I was doing me like I was I felt that I was a, a, a pretty good candidate. I wasn't making the bread that I was that I would eventually start making. But at that time, I was really hustling. I was going to school at night, not not at night, but I was going to school on the weekend, culinary school, and I was working a 40-hour week throughout the week. So when I went to him, and I was driving, and I had my own, my own pad. So when I went to him, he wanted to talk about the finances. And he was like, yo, uh, what can you contribute? Now, at, the, at this time, her rent was about maybe... I say about 1600 at this time. It was a while ago, like 1600. And I was like, well, look, she was working also. She had a good job. You know what I'm saying? She had a better job than me at the time. But I was like, yo, look, with all my bills and my expenses, her, her rent is 1600. I can contribute about 12 to that. I said, I can contribute 12. Now she was, she was at the time, she was paying her whole rent. She wasn't married. You know what I mean? At the time, I'm like, I'm looking at what I can actually offer because I was like, I got my car bill. I got insurance. I got gas I got to pay for. I got, you know what I'm saying? Upkeep and things of that nature. So I'm like, yo, this is what I can realistically bring to the table. I can realistically bring this to the table. Now with my income and her income together, we would have been all right. And then we would have been even better off after I got uh, promoted and things of that nature and I got into the work field. But in any event, he told the sister, he was like, you don't need a roommate. You need a husband. You don't need a roommate. You need a husband. And at that time, you know, I, I tell you, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real funky. Like, I was like, yo, I was like, yo, I'm like, you for real? That's what he, he told her. He's like, yo, you don't need a roommate. You need a you need a husband. So the fact that I couldn't pay all her expenses, it just disqualified me from from marrying her. And then I ain't going to talk about the 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 man she eventually married her her to. The the man she got eventually married to. I'm not even going to talk about. It. That's a whole nother podcast. But it was crazy. But in that instance, like me being a man, straight up, real told you what it was I'm like yo, look this is what i can do and if i say i can do it this is what i'm going to do but you couldn't handle that or the situation got like it got thrown off because he made that statement i was like you know what i'm gonna back off i'm gonna back off you know what i'm saying so so some men we find ourselves in situations where we need that woman to say yo look i'm gonna accept you as you are not saying that I'm, I'm accepting less, but I know you have potential in you. You got great potential in you. And I see I see the future is going to be bright for us. But a lot of times it's just that this is the bottom line. What can you do now? So when you got men that take that mentality and go with him, be like, yo, if I ain't got my paper, I'm not even going to holler. I'm not even going to holler at her. I'm not even going to waste my time. Because mass media and social media, I, I, both are equal demons. But I yeah. feel like they do a good job of perpetuating that. Mm -hmm. They do a good job. If you scroll your feed, if you have Instagram, or if you watch, that's what's perpetuated. It's like black women have a criteria and it's like yep. bags, Gucci bags, hair done, nail done. You see, that's crazy because we want to say it's the black women that do that. And there's not just the black women. 
No, but black women is my black woman is all I see. So that's why I say that because I don't okay. I don't mm. pay attention to okay. other species of women. <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting listening to this from the from the other perspective because I've always had like the question like what is it that really allows some of these connections to last? Mm. You know, I've oh man, I can put myself out there like that. My very first date. <laughs> <laughs> with um, my my first boyfriend, we went to Taco Bell, mm. and I'll never forget. I got cheesy fiesta potatoes. It was my very first time at Taco Bell, and I was like a kid in a candy store. And he laughed at me. He's just like, "How does this make you that happy?" And I'm just like, "I get to spend time with you. It's a full moon outside. Like we get to just hang out. This is cool for me. I like. I enjoyed this, and I think he took it as like I." had like low expectations or you know I, I was settling for less and I was like why would you think that I'm settling mm. when I made a choice like I know who you are the monetary stuff doesn't matter that relationship obviously didn't last and then another guy I, I dated later on in my life I don't have problem dating outside of my my skin color so I dated an Asian guy mm. and he was he was very well off my problem with that relationship was that he was extremely controlling and wanted to micromanage everything that I was doing. And we just didn't intellectually connect. Mm. It was like money is not going to be what keeps me with somebody. <clears throat> mm. Because we've seen what happened with the stock market crashing. People lost everything. So if everything disappeared, you are still who you are. Mm. And I will still be there to help you rebuild. And I'm realizing that there are a lot of people who don't understand what that really means in regards to a relationship. Mm. Can I say something? Yeah, that um, is okay. Lady Obsidian, you would be considered rare mm. with your viewpoints. Mm. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not to me because I've met many women that think like you do, but for the broader spectrum of like what was saying, you know, social media and things like that, you are you are a rare find as far as that's concerned. And I think a lot of men are out there prepping themselves for, you know, what we now see, you know, on social media, um, you know, being able to, you know, the things that the things that you have, the way that you, you know, present yourself and um, do you look like you're well off? Um, you know, I remember going to a club back in the day and walked up to this woman, you know, to ask her, you know, to dance. And she she looked me up and down because I didn't look the part of what she was looking for. So then the dude comes in with his friends and, you know, he looks like he might own three bins or whatever. And so this is the person that she was you know, clinging up on for the rest of the night. Mm. And my whole thing was, I wasn't trying to marry you. I just wanted to dance. But, <laughs> you know, that wasn't even what she was there for. She was there for a specific purpose of looking for someone, you know, who could, you know, spoil her or take care of her, or, you know, however it's termed as far as she's concerned. But, you know, like I said, 
for the way that you think about things, it's a pretty rare find, um, you know, for, for, you know, a lot of things that we see now. Um, I think, you know, a, a, a real man, you know, is going to present himself, you know, he's going to present himself and not something fake. And a real woman is going to present herself, you know, the same way. And I don't, I think there's a lot of, just, just a lot of fakery going on. You know, everybody, like somebody said earlier, everybody trying to play this game. You know, everybody's trying to play trying the to game. Play the and, game. I'm, and I'm not the person to play the game. So my relationships, I could count on one hand because I just, I, I didn't know how to play the game. It just, it just wasn't me. So, yeah. yeah. So what we're going to do is, right? What we're going to do is, because this is going right into the next video, which is perfect. It's a perfect segue. But I do have to play some um, some of my sponsors' um, videos. So I got to take a quick break to play some messages from my sponsors. And uh, this would be a prime opportune time to uh, introduce my brother, Mr. Written in Pain. He has a new segment on the show that's going to be on ongoing, uh, Two Cent two cents with written in pain so we're gonna go we're gonna play uh we're gonna play one of those and then we're gonna play some of our other sponsors and then we'll get back into the video the second video that we're gonna discuss is gonna tie on right into this topic right here so keep your thought lady obsidian mr 668 whip keep your thoughts because it's gonna go right into the next topic all right let's play this and now two cents with written in pain Listen, everybody's with the healthy eating now. And I get it. I get it. I'm not hating. Listen, it's all about self-love. It's all about when you look in the mirror, what are you happy with? No one should be living their life for other people. I just feel like this wave, this, this new consciousness, it's making a certain level of sexy go extinct. Shout out to my fluffy women. Shout out to my plus size women. Shout out to my woman who's not afraid to let their thighs meet. Because me personally, and again, this ain't about body shaming. This is about preference. I don't want my woman to have a six pack or four pack. I don't want my woman. I don't want to see her rib cage. I want to see my woman eating some ribs. Ain't nothing wrong with a little barbecue sauce on. Listen, listen. I feel like social media has become a little lopsided when they shoving down everybody. Listen, nothing makes my manhood go softer than a woman talking about she's on a keto diet. I don't want to take you to BBQs. And you order a salad that I don't want to hit it. I'm not interested in. And I don't want to hear nothing about lifespans and all of that. My great grandmother lived. She was 88 years old. 88. Them people used to put lard in their omelets. They used to put fat back in their bacon. 
Don't tell me about high blood pressure. Listen, that's fast food. Y'all going to McDonald's. Y'all going to Olive Garden. Y'all going to Red Lobster. But don't get it twisted. Your great great grandparents lived till they was mad old and they wasn't on no keto diet. They was eat, they were eating chitterlings. Okay? So in closing, listen, I'm kind of kinky, all right? I want a woman that can appreciate me pouring some oxtail gravy all on her stomach, on her chest. I don't, I don't want to hear you counting carbs and all of that. That's not what I'm into. That's not what I'm into. I like a little bit of, I like a little bit of pushing in the middle. I like a little bit of squishy, squishy in the middle, right under the way the bra strap stop. I like a little bit of squeeze, squeeze right there. So I'm saying that's my two cents. Hello, this is William S. Peters Sr., a.k.a. Just Bill from Interchild Press International. First, I must say we at Interchild Press are proud to support my brother, Daniel Green, a.k.a. Poetic Black, and his prolific, embracing, and informative program, Spoken Soul Sessions. As a publisher and now sponsor of the work Poetic Black does, we at Interchild Press International offer to you his listeners, and all spoken word artists, writers, and poets, a 10% discount on all of our publishing packages and services. Please mention code SPOKENSOUL to take advantage of this offer while it lasts. You can contact us at InTouch at innerchildpress.com, and we hope to see your words in print very soon. We are Interchild Press International, building bridges of cultural understanding. That's www.innerchildpress.com. Thank you. How are you? My name is J.D. Williamson from the Williamson Security Incorporated Incorporations. It's a family business, and we do security like gosh darn it. Nobody else does security. Now, now, let me not mislead you down the road to nowhere. We're not your average security company. No sorry, Bob. We specialize in specialties such as werewolves, zombies, and vampires. That's right, werewolves, zombies, and vampires. Because what's going on right now, it's any day now you can expect a vampire or zombie apocalypse. And you don't want to be close with your pants down or your neck out when they start to gobblin and going for brains and going for necks. Juggler veins to be exact. Now, we come to you fully prepared, locked and armed with silver bullets, stakes, and everything else you need to do your average vampire and zombie hunting. Now, like I said, it's a family business, so don't worry, I have myself, my beautiful wife, my son and my daughter, we're all trained vampire and zombie killers, and we'd be more than happy to come by and take care of any kind of undead you got floating around in your backyard. We have mines, silver mercury mines, anything you need to have zombie brains flying everywhere. 
Now, no need to look around because we got the best prices in town. That's right. Make sure you come to the Williamson Security Incorporated Incorporations. My number is one 888 i hate zombies That's right. 1-800-888-I-HATE-ZOMBIES. That's 1-800-888-I-HATE-ZOMBIES. Call now and we'll de-zombitize your whole house for half a normal price. See you soon. Yeah, that was a a word from one of our sponsors, Williamson, Williamson, Williamson Security Company. They they decided to come through and uh, sponsor the Spoken Soul Session show. So uh, great that we got some sponsors, man. Help me pay some bills around here. So uh, you know, y'all go out there if you got zombies, vampires. Go check out the Williamson Security Company. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, now let's uh, let's get into this next video because uh, it ties into what we was going into how, how the the conversation morphed and what we were talking about. But uh, let's play this and uh, let's get you guys thoughts on it. Yo, watch this, family. I look good. I got a fat. You like that? I'm gonna take your money. I'm still gonna be beautiful, and I'm gonna go do it to somebody else until I find my prince charming, somebody I actually. You hear that? She looks good. She got a fat butt. She's gonna take your money. She's still gonna be looking good, so she's gonna move on to the next guy. Do that to him too until she meets her prince charming. You know, somebody she actually cares about. There are so many problems with this philosophy, family, and there's so much negative karma that comes from this philosophy. I'm going to break it down to you, but first, let me give it to you guys from a man's perspective. You ready? I look good. I got fat pockets. You ladies like that. So I'm going to smash y'all out. I'm still going to be looking good. So I'm going to move on to the next woman and do that to do that to her, too. Until I find Miss Wright, you know, a lady I actually care about. How, how does it sound to you now? Can you see the problems with it now? Well, if you can't, let me offer some more clarity to it, OK? What you do consistently becomes your practice. And as we say, practice makes it better. So if you've been practicing using people, how then would you be ready for Prince Charming or Mrs. Wright? I would venture to say that you would not be at all. It's literally like saying, my current job, I'm not going to show up on time. I'm going to no call, no show half the time. And when I do show up, I'm never going to work hard ever. And when I quit, I ain't going to give a notice at all. Because I don't care. And I'm going to keep doing the next job like that and the next job like that and the next job like that until I find my fantasy job, my dream job. And that's when they'll get the best from me. Then why would your dream job hire you? Because by then your resume is literally going to be shit. It's going to show that you are not dependable, that you're not consistent and that you're not a hard worker. Why would they give you an opportunity? Well, let's just say for your sake that they do give you an opportunity. Okay, you haven't been accountable to being a good worker, being consistent or a hard worker. So how do you think, why do you think you're just going to be able to be all of that and you've never had to be that before? This is what I mean by being accountable to the person that you want to be. You got to practice being your best person. You can't just say, I'll be my best person one day whenever I meet the person that I like. Okay. So here's, here's, the, here's, one, of the, here's one of the main problems with that philosophy. Okay. Number one, it neglects accountability. You're mistreating people and you're using this idea that you don't like them as if it justifies your mistreatment of people. It actually shows that you have no self-respect 
because you're treating people badly and using this excuse that it's because you don't like them. Like it doesn't make you a bad person. It does because you're treating people badly. It's irrelevant whether you like them or not. Do you understand that? How you treat people speaks to your character, whether or not you like them. Is that understandable to y'all? We always say the way I know a woman's value is look at how she treats people in her life that she don't need. Well, ain't that the truth? Ain't that true for anybody? I like to think so. But I'll tell you this, family. As natural as being masculine or being feminine should be, it actually takes a lot of practice to truly be in your masculine state or your feminine state, okay? Being masculine for a woman means protecting, providing, having a listening ear, caring about her feelings and emotions, actually living your life with her best interests at heart, representing her even when she's not with you. That means being loyal and being faithful to your commitments and the promises that you made for her. That's what that looks like. And if you've just been knocking women down until you meet the woman that you like, why do you think you're gonna be a good man for Mrs. Wright when she comes along. You haven't taken the time to do those things. Likewise, ladies, if all you're doing is using up men, how are you gonna truly be feminine to them? If you don't practice being feminine, do you know the word submission gonna sound like a curse word to you? Submitting to a man looks like knowing his dreams, caring about his dreams and future goals, and actually becoming the partner to help that man hit those goals, helping keeping him motivated, cooking and cleaning for your future self, your future children, and your husband knowing how to edify them. If you're not practicing doing those things, why do you think you'll be good for that man when he crosses your path? You know you gotta practice to be a good cook. You know that, right? You gotta practice to being attentive and being able to work with somebody on their purpose and actually caring about their needs. You know that, right? And so what'll happen is if you don't actually create a life where you're practicing doing that for the people in your life, when you meet the person you really care about, you're not even gonna be capable to fulfill the needs of your partners because here's what's gonna happen you're gonna have trauma, right? And you're not, you haven't been practicing to being this better person, so even though you know what they need, you're not gonna be able to do it. You're not gonna be able to be masculine and you're not gonna be able to be feminine, meaning submit to that lady, to, to, that, to, that, to that man, because you haven't even tried doing this with anybody. You, you're saving this for when, you meet some, for when you meet the man that you like. Other than that, you're treating them like crap. That is no way to be family. Do you understand? Instead, why don't we say this? Any person that I date and have in my life, I'm going to be accountable to that by being the best person that I can be. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to keep my commitments. I'm going to listen to their problems and care about their emotions because they're with me. Okay. If I'm a man, I'm going to be masculine towards her, towards her. If I'm a woman, I'm going to be feminine towards him. I'm not going to hold all those things back out of fear until I meet somebody I really like. Because if I hold those things back, I'm not going to be good at contributing those things to a healthy, harmonic relationship, right? If I'm done wrong while I'm being a good person to people, I'll just chalk it up as practice. And I'll say them doing me wrong had nothing to do with how I was treating them because I know I was doing the right things. And therefore, I deserved a better person. And that's why that person did me wrong. It was time for them to move on anyway. And my next best person is coming to me because of the person that I have been. Why not live like that? And that way, when, you're, when your favorite person come, comes along, or Mrs. Wright or Prince Charming comes along, you will actually be a compatible person for them. You guys do know it takes two to tango, right? And so if you carry yourself in this way where you're not taking accountability for how you treat people, why do you think that you would vibrate a person to you who was accountable to how they treated people? 
I'm going to show you something, family. You likely or you, you you're going to vibrate to you who you are anyway. If you don't realize this karma does exist, you understand. And so if you're treating people like crap and, and here comes Prince Charming, guess what? You're likely only thinking they're Prince Charming because you really like them. You don't really know them any more than you knew the next Joes. You understand? Now he's Prince Charming because he has he checks off all your boxes. And guess what Prince Charming is? A user and an abuser just like you. And he's going to break your heart. And you're going to say to yourself, dang, I really liked him. And he just used me up. I tried. I gave him my all. And he just used me up. Well, he did exactly what you was doing to other people. And wouldn't you have to say you deserve it? I mean, think about the broken hearts that you left, the trail of broken hearts you left, right? Men, think about this. You played all these women. As soon as you met the woman you really, really liked, she didn't like you. She cheated on you. She lied to you. She wasn't the woman that she said she was to you, right? And here you are thinking, ah, man, she a whore. She this, she that, she this, she that. But how? think about the trail of broken hearts that you left to try to get to her. Did you care that those other women actually liked you or did you only care about how you didn't like them and use that as an excuse to mistreat them? Just like what this lady is saying. Ladies, did you actually care about uh, the, the women? Did you, did you actually care about how the, how the guys felt when you was taking their money and using them up? Because, you know, you fine. You got a fat butt and you're going to move on to the next guy. Did you care about how they would feel after you used them up? Or did you only uh, care about how you felt and that's why you used them up? You see what I'm saying? And if you've lived a life by only seeking out what you can get from a person, why do you think you're going to be a contributor in a relationship? Like actually care about their needs and working hard to make sure you cater to their needs, that their needs are met. Why would you do that? You probably wouldn't. You'd probably have a whole lot of ego and pride as to why you shouldn't do that for anybody, because that's who you've been practicing to being uh, practicing being. The biggest kick is you guys got to understand this. The person that you practice being is going to be your biggest enemy whenever you try to be your new person, because it's all the habits and things of the old person that contends with the new person that you want to be. So while you are habitually being this one person saying, I'm going to change when I meet another person, please understand it don't work like that. You got to practice being a better person in order to be a better person. If you don't do that, you're only practicing being a worse person, making it easier to be a bad person. I'm, I promise you it's true. So for future references, get rid of that type of philosophy and actually don't even hang around people with that philosophy because karma, it don't just come on the people who doing the negative acts. It falls on people who's around the people who do negative acts. You ever heard uh, birds of a feather flock together? If you hang around people who use people, people going to think you a user. You ever heard of people getting attacked because they hang with somebody who deserved being attacked or who had it coming to them? Yeah, karma works like that. So be sure that you get away from that. Understand, karma family, it's not some uh, agency outside of it that's, that's thinking, that's going around attacking you. But karma simply means it's you. This is you. The way you treat people is you. It's not just something you're doing. It is you. It's you. You understand? So karma, karma is, please understand it. The way you treat a person, that is going to be your character. That is going to be your karma. And the way people treat you based on how you treat other people the things that come come to you based on the way you treat other people, this is what we're calling karma. Do you understand? So I don't want you guys to hear this video and think that Kevin thinks that some magical entity is coming for you. I don't. But what I'm trying to tell you is this thing we call karma, when it comes to collect, it's often with interest. And it's going to break your heart when it comes to collect. It's not going to feel good at all. So if you want to keep from getting negative karma, practice being good to people all the time. 
Don't use you not liking somebody as some weird excuse to mistreat them. That is crazy, family. Please be better, okay? Be evolution. Be the change that you want to see. No candle loses its flame from lighting another. And if you were to ever find yourself in the middle of chaos, believe me, it's in that chaos that you find yourself. Peace. All right. It was a little lengthy video, but it was so many points in that video. I thought it was it was just pertinent to play the whole thing. But uh, definitely, definitely going into the topic of what we was talking about. But it's on the flip side now. You know what I mean? And this is the type of mentality like Lady Obsidian we was talking earlier is that these are the type of mentalities that keep us on different pages. Because when you have that type of mentality, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Because like he said, men do the same thing. Men do the same thing. So you got some guys that got bread and they got the paper like that and their whole thing is womanizing. I ain't going I ain't going to commit to nobody. I got bread, that's what they want and pretty much, but what he was talking about was the vibration. I thought that was very deep. The vibration, who you're going to vibrate to. And I said this on the show before that if you go to the supermarket and you give somebody a $20 bill and your groceries cost $40, they're not giving you back change. You owe them money. It don't work that way. You ain't going to give somebody uh, a dollar and they're going to give you back $20 in change. Currency don't work that way. You're going to pretty much get what you put out and you're going to get equal share of what you got coming to you. You know what I mean? You give If you, if you pay for something for $20 and it costs $10, you got $10 coming back to you. You got 10 coming back to you. So that vibration and knowing that vibration is real and energy is real and that's a lot of the times why we have the situation we have with this mindset, this warp mindset of, oh, it's all about the bag, all about the bag. Lady Obsidian, what do you feel about that video? So there was a bit of a Freudian slip in there that I I had to laugh at when it happened, where he was talking about, like, you know, wives submit their husbands, husbands submit their wives. Oh, my bad, y'all. I'll edit that out. But go ahead, Lay City. I'm sorry about that. So I was just saying, like, um, that there's like a Freudian slip that he says where he goes, you know, husbands submit to your wives. I mean, you know, women submit to your husbands. And I thought that was really important how he tried to clean that up because most men don't think of themselves as submitting to their wives. Mm. You know, if we want to look at scriptures or whatever the case is, depending on the you know version that you're reading, it changes submit to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Mm. Right. But that was until like to death. He provided, he, you know, took care of like he was taking care of himself. And then it made sense. Like how are our men taking care of themselves? to then be able to take care of their partner in that in that same capacity. And like we've gotten into the conversation before and, and like the idea of what self-love looks like. Self-love isn't just I'm making sure I get what I need to get out of this situation, but self-love is making sure that everything around you is being taken care of, you know, that energy that you're putting out there so you know what it is that you're getting, you know, in return. And then, like, the concept of a true character. Like, who are you? Mm. Are you changing to fit, you know, 
the person that you think you're going to be, you know, compatible with. If you're going to continue being a chameleon, then you're going to have to understand that your environment is always going to be changed and you're not secure. You're not stable. So how is anybody going to be stable with you? Hmm. You know, so there was there's a lot in that video that I could really acknowledge and was actual confirmation because, (laughs) you know, I think people should be really lucky that I, I really contain um, my rage and I don't fight people because um, there's been a few dudes who deserve to get punched straight in their face um, <laughs> for some of the outlandish things that they've said but mm. one guy had the audacity to ask me if I thought anybody was going to want me you know with kids or over the cases and I, I had to look at him in his face I was like absolutely just because <laughs> you don't want to you know claim me or whatever the case is doesn't mean that my worth is validated by you. Hmm. Doesn't mean that I'm going to feel worthless or that anybody should feel worthless so that you want me to cling to you so that you can feel some type of way about yourself. Like, that's not going to happen here, bro. I'm sorry. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so it's like, in, in that sense, it's like, you have to be sure of who your character is. Who are you? Not who, you know, you who people want you to be not be a certain thing so that you can get things from people like that's always going to backfire mm. i i agree i agree and um it's, it's definitely uh you know being who you are and i don't think the universe makes mistakes and i and i think that people are gonna get who they are deserving of so you know what i'm saying when you really look at it like relationship after relationship i know i i had a i had to figure this out myself you know that you know if you get in one relationship you really have to do some type of surveying your character what made it go wrong what 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 was the good aspects about it you got to survey those things and be willing to accept accountability of being a better person you know pretty much being a better person so i agree with you I agree with you. I think I think people, you know, ultimately will get the type of person they 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 truly deserve. Like in the instance in that in the video, the sister she was talking about, oh, I got a fatty, and you know what I'm saying you like that, so I'm gonna keep using you. But like Kevin was saying in the video, you know, you're preparing yourself. You're preparing yourself for something, and people don't get that. They don't get the fact that. Everything counts That the way you treat a person Is not dependent or contingent upon The fact that whether you like them or not Or they give mm-hmm. you any value or they, or they bring something of benefit to you The world is bigger than your block And it's bigger than your ego And a lot of times you know When, when, we, when you find people who are The so called attractive people You know The things that the, the media and the, and, the, and the culture dictates Of what's beautiful and what's beauty so you find these people they get in their head and they feel that oh it's all about me you know these video vixens oh these dudes drool over me da, 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 i'm gonna do whatever i'm gonna do and they feeling that they winning and the, and the sad shit is that they're not you know mr 668 you got anything to say on this one i mean you are you are pretty much said everything that i was thinking um but you know, like like he was saying, you know, it's, it's karma, and you know, a lot of people out here just, you know, moving through life day by day with no 
no real plan of, you know, it's just like when that, you know, you, you want to start your own business or whatever, you know, in that particular respect, you know that you have to be prepared for when that opportunity presents itself. Mm. And if you're not prepared, that opportunity is going to pass you by. And there's a lot of people out here that, that want particular things, but they're not preparing themselves for when that particular thing stands in front of them. Um, I mean, she, I mean, obviously she playing herself, you know, all the way around. Cause you know, karma is definitely going to come, you know, <laughs> uh, and sit on her doorstep, you know, someday soon. Um, and it's going to be exactly like that. She's going to meet somebody that she really likes really into, and they're going to be the male version of her. Mm. And she's not going to know how to deal with that. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's, um, I guess, like I said, you know, going back to this whole thing of everybody playing this game, Mm. you know, everybody is, is so busy trying to get themselves on the, you know, on the game board, on the, you know, on the chessboard and trying to play this game. And, and I don't understand it. You know, I mean, probably because I've I've never participated in it, so I, I just don't understand what you know what people you know what people get out of it. And you know, as funny as that, um, I mean, I'm single myself, but a lot of people that a lot of friends that I have that are single, uh, guys in particular, that you know were the ones that were out the clubs every night, you know, had a different girlfriend every week, and and all of that stuff you know, was cool in the game back in the day, but I'm talking to them now, you know, and they, in their forties and fifties and need some lonely ass dudes, (laughs) you know, because everything that they were doing was that temporary fix Mm. and nobody was preparing themselves, you know, for when that one, you know, would come into their lives. So in essence, they never attracted that one because, what they were doing and how they were doing it was always attracting somebody that was temporary. And so now these dudes in their forties and fifties, and when I'm talking to them and we, you know, get into conversation, they are like, honestly, I'm lonely as fuck. (laughs) Because, you know, they, they spent all of this time, you know, doing, you know, playing the game instead of, you know, finding somebody to be serious about or, or even taking themselves seriously. Mm. So it's it's interesting. Profound pain. What you got? What you got to talk about on this? On this particular. Man, there's so video. many things between the both of them that was sad that I said <laughs> my brain is like all over the place. But I'm gonna just. I'm. First of all, you know, I feel like the the core of the problem when whenever this conversation takes place about relationships in the black community, I always feel like the core of the problem is always how black people feel about themselves, period. Mm. That is not so much black men's relation to black women or vice versa. It's that deep inside, there is a hatred that black people have for themselves. Mm. Talk about it. And if black people as a culture, I don't mean, of course, I don't mean every individual black person. I know a lot of black people with pride and self-love, but I just mean what you see when you see how black people treat themselves. 
or the things that they allow to take place in their communities or in their neighborhoods. That has a lot to do with the perception that black people have of themselves. Hmm. I had a conversation with somebody. This was years ago. I was like a teenager or I wasn't that. I was maybe in my early 20s. And I was talking to somebody about movies. And the movie we was talking about was Passenger 57. Passenger 57, if you ain't see the movie, Wesley Snipes plays like this cop who like saves the world by himself. Classic Mm. action movie. Mm. And I'm like, yo, man, we were talking about Wesley Snipes movies. And I'm like, you never saw Passenger 57? He's like, that bullshit. Wesley Snipes beating up all them people by himself. (laughs) That, that, That was some... So I said, well... This is fact. This this is a real conversation. So I said, well, it's no different than what Bruce Willis does in Die Hard. Indeed. He's like, nah. He's like, nah, that's it's different. And I couldn't <laughs> by the end of the conversation, what I had realized, whether he didn't realize it or not, that his issue with the movie not being realistic was similar to what was six six eight said about the Cosby show. He just couldn't see a black dude doing it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it was at that, and I was young, but it was in that moment that I realized, yo, black people got an issue with themselves. And this is why a black person will go buy Prada and Gucci, but when they go in the store and it's a black clothing line that wants $60 for a shirt, they like, oh, this costs too much. Exactly. 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 Mm -hmm. So when we start to discuss, because it's the dissecting of, well, black men this and black women that, it. These kind of things is the battle of the sexes, I think, exists in all cultures and all relationships. It's there's always going to be that. Prince called it boy versus girl in the World Series of Love. That's what it is. Mm. But when it comes to these things with us, I think it's deeper than I think it has to do with how we feel about ourselves. So, no, I don't. I may call her a queen. I may call her my sister. But do I really feel that way about her? She mm. may call me her brother. She may call me a king do she really feel that way about me and I think that's the problem and that's, yeah, and that's... You, you touched on some things because just what just what you just said is mm. you know I may call her a king a queen or she may call me a king but then some of our favorite music is you know bitches and hoes and all through the lyrics mm-hmm. you know um you know, even even to, to to see women in their cars in the summertime windows down and you know, bitches and hoes and, and, you know, bitches and hoes is playing all in the music and the little boy is sitting in the back seat. Mm. You know, so I'm thinking like, I already know what he's going to grow up to be like mm. because the influence is is all around him. It's in the music that he's hearing. It's, it's in the acceptance of the music that he's hearing, you know. Um, but you know, even more so, like we were talking about, you know, the Cosby show and your story with um, talking to a black guy about a black action star in a movie and that not being real to him. Mm-hmm. But yet Bruce Willis can can defeat a whole <laughs> it's plausible. Know, underworld whole terrorist organization. And, <laughs> and that's real, you know, to him, mm-hmm. um, you know, and. and yeah, I do think that we have uh, a great hatred for ourselves. Mm. We're not when when one of us, you know, is able to move up or move forward. We find ways of um, 
you know, of uh, kind of belittling that, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you get ready to go off to college, college boy, you know, and it's, it's not the fact of you mad at him. I think it's more so the fact that you realize that that was something that you could have done, but mm-hmm. you just never took yourself seriously you know, to do it or, you know, just the community holding you down from doing it. Cause it's that, it's that, it's that circle. Is that, it it's, keeps it's, going. Two things, it's two things. I just, I just want to add based off what uh, Mr. Sissick say said, because it's two things that media is guilty for in portrayal of the black male. And they both kind of coincide when you watch TV, right? If you ever pay attention to this, especially in black sitcoms, the intelligent character is always ostracized or made to look like he not cool. Exactly. Or he's like... Mm. In the black sitcoms, in any, right. In any TV show, that intelligent character, he was the one that nobody really wanted, like, oh, here, here look, goes Steve. Look at Urkel, exactly. Genius. He made time machines and all types of gadgets but and all that. Change his entire genetic coding to be handsome. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That, that's a great point, bro. That's a great point. And I, I want to touch on that real quick. Because it's a great point is that it stems from that innate hatred that we have of one another. The, 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 the sexism is one thing, but the colorism. You know what I'm saying? Growing up, growing up when I was young, it was a real distinction about the light skin, the dark skin and all that. And you see, you still see that hate resonate in our community today. Team, I'm team light skin. I'm team dark skin. And when I was growing up, like really when I was going to school, I hated the coolie head boys, man. The coolie head boys, I hated them. Like I really hated them, man. The light skin dudes that got all the girls, the green eyes and all that. It was like there was a no, you know, it's like all of them got all the play. It wasn't until my man Wesley came up on the scene and then Doc Brothers start getting some play. But but back in the days when I was growing up, I learned young, I wanted to be lighter. Before I knew who I was, before I became poetic black, I want to be like, yo, why can't I have the light skin and the coolie hair and all that, the good hair and all that? It it, it starts in the community young in the, with the children. It starts in the community, and so, we perpetuate that. Go ahead, Lady Obsidian. So I've, I was really trying to find the term that was used, but there is a, a woman who brought this up in regards to trauma in, you know, Black culture. And she went all the way back to slavery, and she's, you know, painted this this narrative. And it's like, this, this mom has this kid, and the master comes by he goes oh that that's a hard worker right there she's no no he, he's a little slow in the head he's a little he, he's no good mm. the son is hearing this and he starts to believe this for himself what the mother was doing was trying to protect her son from being sold off but the son is not thinking that he's worthless right Fast forward, because now this has been a pattern of speech that we've kind of just kept going with when parents, you know, when, when when your kid is given a compliment and the parent goes, oh, but he's just. Mm. So how are we supposed to have this inherent love for ourselves? If all we've ever swallowed was that at something we were just not good enough. Mm. You know, you think about, you know, the the slaves out in the sun and the slaves are in the house. 
that's that's the light skin dark skin right there so it's we are still perpetuating the same trauma mm. the way we talk to each other the way we talk to ourselves and i saw this as like it was it was supposed to be funny um i think it the movie is uh please do not disturb and it's like how do black people compliment each other and he goes you know i'm trying to get like you nah nah i'm trying to get like you mm. like there's always this one upping of each other that happens and subconsciously that actually gets wired differently in our brains than the positive we think it's doing yep so it, we do have to be very, very mindful of what we are saying to each other and what we're saying to ourselves. Because you're right, there is this deep-seated hatred from the identity that was crafted for us. Indeed, that's a that's a key that's word. The key word. That's a key crafted. word. Crafted, crafted is the key word. That's it right there. Yeah, we we go back to the paper bag, the paper mm-hmm. bag test, and I forget exactly what it was called, but the video where and they did it two times back in the 60s and then I think they did it again in the 80s where you had the um, the the black boys and girls sitting in a room and they asked you know which doll mm-hmm. do you like and the majority of those kids picked the white doll exactly and then they asked them why you know and they said oh she looks nice and you know and then the black doll he or she looks mean or you know something like that and it was you know so but you even had darker skinned girls that were picking you know the the white doll and and you know i think that goes back to the way um society has like she said kind of crafted us to see ourselves Mm -hmm. you know the european um standard of beauty was what was beautiful you know um so then you had you know black women you know what is it putting lye in their hair and you know straightening their hair and you know things like that and so but then it goes back to what you were saying you know earlier black is that we as african americans quote unquote we don't necessarily have the identity that's right that say africans do you know i mean mean, even if you go to africa if you're in ghana and you, you know, they let you know, you know, or if you're in Kenya, they let you know, I'm Kenyan. Mm. I'm not just African. Exactly. I'm Kenyan. I'm South African. I'm Nigerian. I'm, you know, I'm they Ghana. Are proud That's of right. The country that That's they right. come from, and they're not just Africans, you know. So, but we, we, we don't have that that connection of specifically where we're you know coming from in order to have that kind of blossom inside of us you know as we grow you know and and within our communities um you know it, it it's the struggle and and for this country we are we are being hunted and broken every day mm. in some way shape or form um and and even made to feel like um you know that that we're worthless, and even when you know when it comes to the city and how they how they treat, treat black communities as far as keeping those communities clean. Um, we obviously know about policing those communities. Um, you know that protect and serve on the side of the vehicle has absolutely nothing to do. You know that's kind of like the same thing in the Constitution. All men are created equal. They weren't thinking about slaves at that time. That's it right. had nothing to do with that line at all. Um, 
you know, so we are in this constant struggle with the country we live in, and we are in a constant struggle within ourselves trying to form some sort of, you know, identity about, you know, about who we are and, and, and how we move and why we move in those particular ways. Um, you know, but let me say this, with all the brokenness that is within our community, the world still wants to emulate us. Exactly. And that's some wild shit. <laughs> the most emulated mm-hmm. people on the face of this earth. That's right. Hands down, no matter where you go, whether you go to Asia or Turkey or Greece or Germany or whatever, there's an influence of us every every corner of this globe. We got that. We got that. There's an influence. That's right. We got that thing that everybody wants. It's a famous uh, Paul Mooney quote. He says, uh, everybody wants to be a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga. (laughs) Exactly. It's real. It's real. We're the most emulated, the least venerated. You know what I mean? I put that in a poem one time. I said, we're the most emulated, the least venerated. They don't want to give us, they want to give us our props for it, but you know, we're the pulse of this culture. What you was going to say, Payne? You know, obstacles and the psyops. I I, I got off track, but it was two things. One, because you know me, Black, I always got to bring everything back to hip hop. There was a point in hip hop music where hip hop was extremely influential on the youth in the community. Indeed. The powers that be cited this. And there was a plethora of hip hop that was very, uh, I want to say conscious. You had like Arrested Development. You had Intelligent. All Righteous Teachers. Productions. You had had, uh, X-Clan. You had, you had, it was a, it was like a lot of that. And somewhere, I want to say in the early 90s, you could see, especially with hindsight being 2020, you can see that there was a definite purpose, purposeful blockage of that music. And they started pushing the Snoop Dogg, the NWA, the Chronic. And that language became incorporated into black culture. Mm. And I'm going to tell you how I know this to be true. I remember that I've always been a big stand up comedy fan. And I remember this on-running joke that always existed in the black community where you didn't call a black woman a bitch. There's even a little part in this movie called I'm Gonna Get You Sucker with like Don Lewis and yep. he's like, did you call mm. me a bitch? And she and did. Like, yep. It was something you did not do, mm-hmm. right? But I've lived long enough. I've lived long enough. Now they call each other that? women call each other bitches. Yep. Right. That was one. That was a. That was a no go. That's 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 facts, you right? Did not there. call a black woman. That a was bitch. facts because I remember that me growing up. That the one thing that you didn't you didn't do. Exactly. He called you a what? And it, that's the one word that you would lose a your woman mind. Might go get her blade. Like if you called her that, she yep. might get her blade. Yep. Your mama's a bitch. Yo, that's, that but was the first. This is how they desensitize you, desensitize us essentially, and then like force feed us. My bitch. Bitches ain't shit yeah, but hoes and tricks. tricks. Yep. Where, this is where brainwashing. It's intentional. Yeah. T-shirts on hats, so it became a thing. So now it's it's almost like the N word. This is why I don't know why black people get mad when white people still use it. Thank you. It's almost like well, if you call yeah. yourself a bitch, two points that I've heard you all the time. Calling you that exactly. 
Exactly. It's you crazy. Know. Okay. I mean, so, I, I've heard, you know, white girls, they come into a room and they're like, hey, my bitches, you know, and that's white girls all the time. But I hear black women using it now. And then, you know, bad bitches, you yep. know, I'm a boss bitch. Yep. That, um, you know, but then, like you said, if it's used in another way, <laughs> then all of a sudden it's a trigger word. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but the same right. thing about nigga, you know, if, right. if if a white, if a white just guy or even if he's a rapper, it says it. It's just like, no, 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 that's, that's not. But it's like, hold on, ex- explain. Because the argument is, oh, we're reclaiming it and taking our power. Exactly. And that's what I'm like. And then Kanye said it, and I'm like, everybody jumped. I'm like, stop that bullshit. You know, (laughs) the word is the word is the word is the word. Fuck it. You know, it don't matter. Like, come on. Wrong is wrong is wrong is wrong. Stop trying to exclude particulars and, you know, split hairs with it. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I always argue the point. I don't care what day or time it is. I'm always up for the argument because I'm waiting for somebody to give me some clear, concise answers, which nobody over my 53 years has been able to do it yet. So I'm just waiting for it. Yo, Black, that's a podcast, the N-word. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely going to do that. I do got opinions about Yo, that. Yo, we we, sure. we we go make that we gonna make that happen. We definitely gonna make that happen. No, because I do got opinions <laughs> about it. My thing is, this is my thing as of right now. I'm gonna just cap it with. I just don't understand if you use it, and I know people that use it in front of white people, and they be talking to their boy in front of a white person. So it'd be like when when they say it, you can't be all up in arms though. Like, right. you, can't be, oh, <laughs> like you can't be oh my god, <laughs> you can't act like that. <laughs> well, I want to uh, I want to share something because um, you say you know we have influence all around the world, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a avid anime fan i've been one since 92 i don't care what nobody says they can anime all day <laughs> so one of the one of the shows that i've been watching lately um has been attack on titan mm. now this last season that i've been watching i've literally i literally just had i've been emotional watching this because i see the deeper message in mm. this you know uh, for those who don't know, like the synopsis, like there's a group of people that are kind of like on this island, lift within their walls is all they know, right? Mm. They, you know, realize that there's a whole other world on the outside and they all hate them. They all think they're devils. They're all, you know, been trying to kill them, whatever the case is. And the retaliation that comes about is, okay, so for us to stop being persecuted because the entire world hates us, we're now going to all band together and go mass genocide everyone else in the world so that we can live peacefully. And it made me really think about Black people. Mm. Like, what is the real purpose for why they psychologically indoctrinate us with certain messages of inferiority? Or they, you know, keep with the the police brutality and the killing of innocents. It's like, it's to perpetuate the trauma so that you don't even think to retaliate. It's still Willie Lynch in effect. Mm. They are still very, very much afraid of us having a position of power because their fear is that we are going to do to them what they have done to us. Indeed. But Indeed. The, the odd thing about that is that like when you speak about this country, 
black folks make up what? We make up what is it? 14 or 17 percent? 11 percent of the population? Like for anybody between 14 and 17 percent, I think currently right now. 14 well, okay. to 17 So 17 so percent of the population. So where's the fear coming from? <laughs> it's 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 their you, own. You know it's what I'm saying? It's, it's like Maine. It's like Maine against Russia. <laughs> you know what mm. I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, as far as as far as uprising wise, I mean, I think they, I think they fear our resilience. Mm. You know, they have tried and tried and continue to try to. I think they're doing it intentionally. So like more what I wanted to go in with that is like the effects that it has had on us to be angry, but to still be resilient. It also affected them. These are a bunch of people who have watched brutality happen and that they have been the, you know, enforcers of it (laughs) for a good portion of them are lacking empathy. They can't Mm. see themselves as us to be able to treat us as humans that they see themselves as right you know and then but that's what i'm saying what what made it really crazy for me is that this show is created in a whole other country by a whole separate culture they're able to see this Mm. and we're still fighting amongst ourselves is that to give ourselves value is 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 definitely like to put it in, in a nutshell what you guys were talking about earlier is, is the is the way we view each other. And we find that there's a like there's there's a decrease in the value once it's coming from our hands. And that's the way we feel. Cause when you look at it, like look look at the the, the black people in the hood, try to get a restaurant going, try to you know what I'm saying? When you when you're dealing with your own people, they could oh, I need something free. You got to give away something free or you, uh, the black person opens up a boutique. You come in there. Oh, I need a discount. I need this. I need that. But you don't need that discount with, with Chanel and Gucci. You pay you pay top dollar. But when it comes to black, you feel there's an inherent decrease in value because of the fact it's coming from us. That's the reason why I look at FUBU. When, when FUBU first came out, like I thought it was crazy because like the first pair of fubus I seen, my older brother, he had a pair. These, these joints first came out. Not fubu, Carl Kanai. It was Carl Kanai. I remember them because I like these pants was more fit in our culture. We wore the baggy jeans back then. If you remember back then, we we all had that baggy feel. So when Carl Kanai came out, Carl Kanai was a what pair of jeans that actually fit your waist, but the pants itself were baggy. It was it was made to fit like it was bigger than what it was. And that was the style. So when they came out, I was like, yo, that's dope. That's dope. And everybody in the hood thought it was dope until they found out it was made by a black man. Everybody thought in my hood, everybody thought Carl Canal when it first came out was some old, you know, what I'm saying some Italian joint or some foreign. You know, what I'm saying the way it was written, the, the script and everything. We thought it was foreign. Oh, this is the new joint. This Carl Canal is dope. It's better than Tommy Hilfiger until they found out who Carl Canal was. When they found out, fact, like what he's saying ain't hearsay. When Carl Canal started getting, because I used to work um, at the Source magazine, when they started putting the full page joint they would have call come out with the boots on mm. he'd be sitting there call can i sell started dropping start started dropping the call can i mm. close 
on the discount shelves in the store. The yep. People started clowning you for having a car. Because then everybody was talking about wearing Tim's. Like, oh, you got called Kanaz on. And I was deep because it was like, your Timberlands ain't Timberlands ain't owned by black people. Nope, not at all. Not in the least. Not in the least. And it's crazy like that. It's crazy. It's crazy the fact that we, we find that there's an inherent devalue if we produce something. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot amongst each other, like the Africans. Like we speaking about the Africans, they don't have that same mentality. Africans will come in this country and be in a one bedroom, fifteen of them, all crammed up in a one bedroom for two years, and then after that two years, they all got houses. You know what I'm saying? They'll do susus. It's a lot of it's a lot of community values that's inherent in the culture. In our Asians culture, do Asians thing. do the same thing. Asians do the same thing. And, the Jews do the same thing, but in our culture, we got away from it. We used to have this this strong community value. We used to have it. We used to but have you it. Also but also know what we used to have? Mm. We used to keep our money in our community as exactly. well. Exactly. We went exactly. to the local butcher. We went to the you know the local clothing store. You know we we owned those things, mm-hmm. and now we can't wait. I put up an article some years ago about the black buying power. Mm. And I think I put this up in like 2020 and they forecasted that by 21, that the black buying power in this country would be, um, I don't know. Let me just, I'll just say 2.4 billion, something like that. And so they were talking about 2.4 2.4 billion by 2021, and that's the GDT or the GDP of a small country. Mm-hmm. Black people, 17% of the population, had buying power of a small country. And the funny thing about it is, if we really understood that, we could shut down any business that we wanted to. Indeed. Indeed. We, we would affect everything about. Starbucks. We the the Asian owned hair stores all in the neighborhood that think they can speak to people any way that they want. We could shut them down in a week. That's right. Doors closed, windows boarded up, gone. So but we don't understand because Christmas time comes, you see the videos of us lined up outside to go get flat screen TVs that we all already probably have enough of. Mm Mm-hmm. But yet, because they 50 bucks, we got to go buy 17 of them. For mm-hmm. what? It's the psychology is like think think that you're getting a deal. And I was thinking about a lot of what we've said throughout this entire conversation. And one thing that keeps coming up is like this, I, this understanding that there's a lot of anger in us. Mm-hmm. And anger perpetuates this idea, well, you owe me. So you you take that and you isolate it just to the black community. We're all angry. We've been wronged by people who look like us. We, you know, take a lot of that stuff out on ourselves. So now we're looking at somebody else who's trying to do something better. No, you owe me. I'm, I'm your brother. You owe me. You know, mm-hmm. it's never, hey, let me help you up. It, right. It's it's still this this concept. It's like we are we are pin we are pit against each other because they know outside of a natural habitat and crabs in a barrel are just going to pull each other down. Indeed. They've crafted our environment. You know, it's, it kind of goes along with that idea of like the whole, the whole understanding of the alpha male. The alpha male is fake. 
the alpha male only exists in captivity because wolves in their natural habitat don't habitat do not have an alpha male. They run together as a family unit. Right. Hmm. The parents take care of the whole tribe. With their parties. Right. Mm-hmm. And in captivity, it's now a hierarchy. I need to make sure I have the resources. So all of these brothers who are running around with this alpha male mentality, they're captive in their minds. They're in lack mentality. I have to get before getting got. Hmm. There it is. And and, and and that's the that's the mentality that's been perpetuated in by the music. Like Payne was talking about yes. in the music, they use the music and as a conduit to bring this type of mentality to us. Because like hip hop, like hip hop back in back in the the eighties and the and the nineties, when hip hop was relevant, you seen like the brother was talking about, it was a conservative effort to make it negative. You had a lot of you had a lot of acts that was out that was doing things that we was emulating. Like in the nineties, I don't know if you guys remember, like in 90, 91, everybody had a black medallion. You know what I'm saying? The gold, the funky gold chains, the rope chains was going out of style, but it was more so of the 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 black, the black, the black medallion, Africa, you know, things like that. And then the liquor, the liquor companies, they got in on it. They mm. started having rappers just dropping the Black people back there was drinking malt liquor, maybe a little Remy Martin. We started all we started seeing black people drinking Tangeray, Jimmy. Tangeray. This is an eyes. This is an influence coming from somewhere else. But I wanted to bring uh I, it was a top it was something I wanted to touch on when it came to this thing about the relationships that I had left my memory, but I wanna state it before I forget. I think that some of this is fallacy anyway. I think that some of this was inherited because the brother said something in the video about black men not being able to submit to black women. And I don't I don't recall this. Even when I was a kid, I remember black men always having to serve. I remember black men not cursing around women or not cursing around kids. Or when I would be outside with my moms and the dude was talking in front of the store, they'd be like, yo, man, they'd be like, sorry, sister. And they shut it down until my moms walked past. And I remember Mm -hmm. dudes being outside looking at their watch, like, let me get upstairs. I don't want to hear Gertrude's mouth. You know she's crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't remember this big lack of disrespect. I'm going to tell you what I know is that a lot of this... uh, a lot of this friction between black men and black women came about when black women joined the women's liberation movement with white women. Mm. And they really was taking up a cause that had nothing to do with them because it was white men that wasn't respecting their women. It was white men who didn't want their women to have any rights. They didn't have nothing to do with our relationship with black women. And I think that when that, when, when, when black women's rule <clears throat> Civil rights movement merged with the white women's feminist movement. Feminist movement. Mm-hmm. It became us against them in our house because we never had that. Even when you talk about domestic violence, I, I believe domestic violence is not a racial thing. It, it exists in all races. Mm-hmm. But when you look back in the old days, Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, and all of that, they used to they were smacking their women in the movie. Yep. If you watch I Love Lucy, Ricky used to put Lucy over his lap and spank her ass. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, 
I feel like we get beat up a lot because everything is, is almost like uh, I put up a status the other day when I was like, you know, when when black people kill each other, white people got this thing called black on black crime. But when white countries bomb other white countries, it's called war. It's called war. Exactly. Yeah, it's bullshit. So I feel like we got to be careful with because some of these I don't really think it's a problem that we can't fix if we exclude ourselves from incorporating other people's problems. Because in my experience, it's never been this lack of dis... Men didn't have this lack of disrespect for women. And it wasn't all of this. Because I, I clearly remember, like, the hardened thugs in my neighborhood. If my mother was coming in the building, they'd hold a door open for my mother. Exactly. I remember, I remember, I remember, man. I remember. I remember dudes be smoking in the hallway, coming in, coming in, what you call it? They hiding it, put it out. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, if you was coming in the lobby way and a woman was coming through, it was always respect shown. That's what I was, that's what I view when I was growing up. But now even, we do know. They carry them bags. Yeah, they carry the bags upstairs for you and all that. But yeah. but nowadays, yeah, it's different. Start, for a woman to assert, you know, wanting to be respected, now she's labeled independent. She's labeled angry. She's so. I'd like to know at what point did it actually change? You know what I think it is? I think it changed when women started losing started losing respect for themselves. You see, that's see that, see that's yeah. see that's the thing right there. You made a great point, the lack of respect for oneself. Because when you look at it, right, you gotta look at what's dominant. And in the media, they purposely put the women that's very disrespectful to themselves out in the forefront. You got Cardi B, you got Nicki Minaj, you had Little Kim. You, it's a certain type of image they want to portray. This is what represents the black woman. So now when you got that, that, that trope or you got that, that image attached to you, now everything else is going to be self-perpetuating. It's going to just fall right into place. Cause when you look at the, look at, just look at Cardi real quick. Cardi was on, she was on, I forget what station, but she was talking about how when she was back at, back in the days, how they used to drug men, take them to the hotel, drug them and rob them and then leave like dudes that was getting money or whatever the case may be. Now, when you look at Cardi's status, look at Cardi's status, look at Cardi B as the beacon for what women are wanting to us. Uh, aspire to be back in the days you had women not no cardi b's you know even as entertainers you had patty labelle look at look at patty labelle look at whitney houston now whitney houston she went down the wrong head but but when you look at the the images of the women of women who held themselves in the entertainment realm it wasn't they were showing all their body and their dormants or, show, or bragging how much they can suck or how I can do this or how I can do that. It was never that. So now when they're in the forefront, them being in the forefront is making it bad for sisters like Lady Obsidian. So you I dig what I'm saying? There's also something that can be learned from this is the definition of words. Mm. We have lost the truth of language because what was considered respectful then a woman doing what you know certain women do now they look at it as them taking power for them you know they probably lived a portion of life you know being overpowered being you know taken advantage of by others so now they're like okay well i'm going to join the wolves and this is how i'm going to gain power this is how i'm going to gain respect mm. and, and it's a total opposite because right. because, a- and, and like for i can speak only for myself 
me making certain decisions in my life, I was like, this is me honoring and respecting myself because I can't rely or I'm not expecting anybody to give me anything. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to show up as I need to show up. Other people could say that, oh, she's not respecting herself. And in my mind, it's like, well, I'm not going to let you take this from me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to have a level of control of what's happening. It's you not must. because I didn't respect myself. It's I wasn't letting anybody take power away from me. I dig, so, I dig, I dig exactly where you're coming from. But the so thing is, it's what we need to define as respect for our, our, our children, for our youth, for everybody watching is how are we identifying respectful behavior? And just be just if you think that somebody isn't respecting themselves, does that mean that you can then treat them disrespectfully? And it, you know, you, you can't you can't treat them disrespectfully, but you can you can expect to be treated a different way. You know what I'm saying? Like in your mind for men, for the in the mind of a man, when I see a sister like you, for an example, when I see a sister like you, the first thing that comes to my mind is not, oh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I want to ravage her. I'll do this to her and things of that nature. I see the way you speak. You have a you have a brilliant mind. You have a you have a brilliant disposition. You're not out there saying, "Oh, look, I can twerk it like this. I can do a handstand. I can goggle and all this other crap." You're not doing that. So when you got sisters out there that's being respected for doing these things. It makes the youth look like, okay, now this is what we have to aspire to be. Because there'll be a difference like if like a Cardi B. There's nothing wrong with you being a go-getter. There's nothing wrong with you being your, your own businesswoman and making things happen for your family. There's nothing wrong with that. But the image you're projecting is very disrespectful to you as a woman. Very disrespectful. Because I don't know no woman who would get up and, and admit a woman of, of respect and say, yo, look, I suck it like this. I suck it to the base and I put in, I want the, I want you to touch the, the, the little squiggly thing in the back of my throat. You think like that when, I, when a man hears that he's looking at you as an object. Now he's not looking at you as like, Oh, I want to marry this woman. This is the woman I want to cultivate my life, cultivate my children and raise my children. He's not thinking that only thing he's thinking how I can get her to a hotel room and, and do some things. To her. And then when that's done, it's over. It's over. Everything is uniform. And it was a period, and this is the truth. I used to always say you could tell a lot by a, about a woman by the way she dressed. But it was a period, like I want to say, when it was like this neo soul period where you had all these sisters walking around with their head wrap. Everybody was trying to look like Music Soul Child and Erica Badu. Mm. But some of these women, were not the women like before it was almost like dreads right there was a time in the past where you knew if somebody had dreadlocks there was a certain they might be a vegan mm-hmm. a certain level of consciousness it was just an assumption you made by uniform but nowadays dreads don't mean shit it don't <laughs> you can't judge nobody's intellect by, <laughs> by dreads you're right you're right that's like you can't judge a woman's consciousness by how she got her head wrapped. It's some women, they be wrapping their shit royal. And they they be bird brains. Mm-hmm. So it's the same, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, listen, if I'm scrolling my Instagram and I see 17 black women shoving bananas down their throat, it's going to change the way I, I address black women when I go outside. Now, if that's bad, maybe. But that's how everything works. That's how TV works. That's how programming works. That's how 
programming works. But so, don't you know you have the control of your programming? You don't have to take no, everything that is fed to you. On social media, it pops up on your timeline. You scrolling. I don't care if I watch fifteen men beat down a woman. I'm not walking out disrespecting men. But if something goes to back what Six Success said, Six Success said earlier in this conversation, you are a minority. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You are a minority. You are definitely a minority, man. And it's crazy that it's it's not like that anymore. Like, look at look at Claire Huxtable. We was talking about the Cosby Show. Earlier. We even gotta go there. Look at Sister Soldier. It ain't even no more Sister Soldiers. Yeah, that's- we even gotta go to Claire. We ain't even no more sister soldiers. And it's crazy. It's crazy. They they out there, but you they're right, being overshadowed. Right. Yeah, they're being overshadowed by what I they want the to be projected. They want they want them sisters out there that's talking about, you know what I'm saying, how they can how they can do this and they, they can do that. They don't want the sisters out there I'm talking asking, about cultivating. Let me ask your sister this. You do you see a lot of sisters that be sitting around talking about black empowerment? Like, is that the conversation? Like, do you see sisters in the hair salons or wherever they congregate? And are they talking about black empowerment? Are they talking about how they're going to... Are they? Is this the conversation? Mm. At least the women I'm with. Well, yo, y'all need a, y'all need a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I want to... The time just flew by, man. I wanted to give everybody a chance to give a final thought. You know, uh, two minutes, final thought. Everybody get a final thought. And if anybody have any poetry, because this is a poetry podcast, you know what I'm saying? They can bless the mic. They can bless the mic. Uh, I'll do a piece. If nobody want to do a piece, I will do a piece. To, you know what I'm saying? We can just bless the, the space with some poetry because we all poets. And, uh, you know, we're going to start with Lady Obsidian. Two minutes, your overall assessment on a solution. This is what we're looking for, a solution. What's the solution to our problems right now? In my humble opinion, I believe a solution that we can have is holding ourselves accountable for the characters that we want to be and just walking in that truth and not being afraid to to be different, not being afraid to hold somebody else accountable for their behavior. Like I need my brothers to question their brothers about things they hear them doing. Mm. Call them out on that mess. You know, the things, like you said, we were happening within the family. We need to stop being silent because that's what was perpetuating the belief that this can continue to happen without any repercussions. Mm. So really just, I'm one person. So only thing I can do is manage what's right here in my household. I am going to walk the way I need to walk so that my son knows what kind of woman to look for and how to respect women and what kind of woman my daughter needs to be mm. and what she, behavior she's not going to settle for from the men she sees around me yeah i could that that's about as much as i can do that's my contribution to society mm. um it's just living in truth and I, I need us to be more accountable for ourselves and for each other definitely mr 668 um actually she said it beautifully it, it's it's really all about accountability um you know there's there's too many things that we that we've spoken on you know um that are taking place within our community and those are things that we actually have the power to change mm. um so i mean the mindsets need to be you know the mindsets need to change the the, the outward thinking needs to change um the way that you know 
the way that we want to be seen, uh, not even by white folks, but just within our own community needs to change. And it's not something that's, you know, unattainable and it's not something that's difficult. It's just the fact that we all just need to come together and um, and make our minds up that we want something better for who we are. Definitely. Pain? Um, I think, you know, the problem in our community is always the people who have these conversations don't don't need to have these conversations. It's the people that we need to try to get other people involved. And that's really the youth because that's who brings change is the youth. And um, so I always employ people to just try to reach them any way you can, even if it's the youth in your family, the youth in your neighborhood, any seeds you can plant in the youth, anything you can put into them to go forward that's really where it's at because um you know and and i think the other thing i think is that our generation that's kind of where we failed that because i think a lot of people in our generation was trying to be young for too long that they didn't bother reaching to the youth because they was trying to be the youth mm. i think that's where my generation i think that's where my generation flopped dropped the ball and mm. that's why they don't look up to us because they saw us trying to wear Jordans like they was wearing Jordans they saw us trying to rap like they was like so they was just like you know it was like the super seniors in high school nobody respected them they're like what are you talking about and I think that's the problem that was the problem but it's never too late and I think um conversations like this is important but it's just you know the four of us we kind of got the gist of it it's the people that need to have these conversations I'm not having these conversations. Definitely. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set off. I'm going to set it off. If um, Like I'm not doing no poems. All right. You ain't got to do one. Well, I got you. I, got you. I bet. Bet. <laughs> Lady of Rain got me. And she dope anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so all right. We going to set it off with Lady Obsidian. Mr. 668, if you want to go, if you want to spit something, go ahead. Uh, after um, Lady Obsidian and Payne, if you want to bless the mic, I'm you good, can. Bro. I, <laughs> but uh, let's let's get it, Obsidian. Uh, we in for a treat right now. Let me set the stage for you real quick. Coming to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my sister and your sister, Miss Lady Obsidian Rain. This piece is called Field of Dreams. Torn clouds reveal the beauty in being damaged. Like puppets on the wind, sun stealing glances like neighbors between fences. Shadows dance across fields of dreams, making them seem unreal, unrealistic, unrealized. But I've heard somewhere, children are taught sky's the limit and then man reached the stars. So dear broken boy, beautifully broken sister, there is more to you than the tears you hide. Don't believe for a minute that there isn't a silver lining to your suffering. Elevate beyond status quo, you will find that you are and always have been a field of dreams awaiting your cultivation. Dope. 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 Mr. 668, you got anything for us? 
I do, but I can't find it. I haven't been on Facebook in a minute, and that's where everything is. I can't even remember how to get to my my notes anymore. <laughs> I what I'll do is I'll give you if you if you want if you want to do some searching, I'll spit a piece while you search. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right so boom, I'll, I'm gonna do this piece uh, consumerism since we got into the topic. Hopefully, I can I can get through it. I ain't spit it in a minute. All right. At the commencement of consumerism in the 1920s, black people took advantage. Disenfranchised at every vantage, they still managed to be resilient. Take the brilliance of Greenwood, for example. A black entrepreneur by the name of O.W. Gurley saw it worthy to purchase 40 acres of land and plan to sell it only to blacks. He has simulated something since that has never been duplicated. Hence, what's our excuse? I refuse to believe what these black pioneers achieved was restricted to their time. The keys to their success was their ability to invest in each other. But now it just seems we just have the propensity to outdo each other. In the United States, blacks are the number one consumers, coupled with the fact that we manufacture nothing we consume pretty much makes us the biggest losers. I mean, how do we become so vain? Can someone explain how 90% of black hair products are produced by Koreans? Or how Arabs from Yemen can come into the ghetto and sell us mama's fried chicken is beyond me. How annually we have the buying power over one trillion, yet there's no dividends to justify our excessive spending. But according to T-Pain, we winning. I'm beginning to see the error in our ways. I mean, what's the real cost for a pair of J's? A day's wage or a lifetime learning that you can't earn a living by killing your earnings, turning assets into liabilities. You really need four TVs in that SUV, three cell phones and take out every night of the week. Black Wall Street, black economics at its peak, a peak of what we could achieve if we pooled our resources and redefined the nature of our needs. In Greenwood, the dollar would circulate 60 to 100 times before it left. In my hood, there is no circulation because there's no black businesses left. Consumerism in the 1920s, consumerism in 2022 is black people's curse. Though in the 1920s, it was the initial system used to prove our worth. But we just want to be the ones who buy it first. Spending is trending, depending who's the recipient of the sale. The death in it is definite. The whistle consumer driven is hard to tell. All hell to the king and queen of retail. Can't even hear myself think over the laughter when he yells, what are those? Negro, what's your goals? The ball out of control with Fendi lenses, E-class benzes and open toast stilettos. How you think this madness unfolds? Bad credit, we still don't get it. In debt with no debit. The rent's due, but it's a 20% off sale at Jimmy Choo's. I'm so confused. Because we have the arsenal to win, but no discipline, so we're determined to lose. Just look at the news. The Nasdaq said Prada, Gucci, and Fendi was through the roof. Oh, you need more proof? Okay, why none of the owners in the stores in your community look like you? Something to think about next time you count in your loot. Black people, be careful how you spend, because the only thing expendable is you. Mr. Six Six Eight, you you got you you got one for us. I, I got nothing, bro. All right, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. We're gonna have you back on the show anyway. 
You know what I'm saying? We definitely got to do a we got to do a tribute to my brother, man. Because yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that that's gonna be an epic show, man. I'm definitely gonna have my brother back on the show with a with a single interview. But tell him now you got just, booking now for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, you know, you know how this is, man. Like I really value you guys' opinion. That's why all three of you are on the show specifically. You know, I could have got I could have got different people to do this show, but I wanted specifically to put these personalities together because I've experienced, you know, the beautiful Lady Obsidian Rain. This is my brother, written in pain, and 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 Mister Six Six Eight. Like the wisdom that he exudes, he's like the old professor, like like you know what I'm saying, like Doctor Xavier in the X Men. You know what I'm saying? It's like he exudes wisdom. You know what I'm saying? Since I've known this brother, man, he's been exuding wisdom, man, and he's a dope ass poet. On top of that, you know, so I definitely want to showcase that. But uh, I appreciate you guys coming through, man, spending this time. Yo, we've been on this for over two hours. Like, I didn't think it was going to go this long, but the conversation just got too good. And just know I'm going to have you guys back because these panel discussions, I'm going to start doing this on a regular basis. And I love you guys' input. You know what I mean? So I would definitely reach back out to you to come back on the show and and provide your input on another topic that we can talk about, man. So definitely, I thank you guys, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming through the show and blessing the mic and and coming through just you no know, giving your wisdom, you no know, to the to the audience and the listeners. And shout out, we was talking about um Kenyan or the Kenyans, um being from Kenya. Uh, shout out to my Kenyan listeners. You know, y'all be holding me down. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll be looking at the analytics. And for some reason in Kenya, I'll be getting a lot of recurring listeners, man. So I want to shout you guys out, man. Mm. I love you guys. Thank you for the support out there, man. I really appreciate you listening from week to week. I thank you guys for showing up, man. I appreciate you guys. Let me give one one round of applause for you guys, man. All of y'all are definitely the bomb. But this is the part of the show where I talk to my audience and I want to leave you guys with some encouraging words. And uh, I use a, a particular song to do it. I just feel this song right here. It just it just give me those inspirational vibes when, when the beat is just coming on and everything. And I just feel inspired every time I hear this little thing. So I always do it. But I hope, I hope you guys remain on your path i hope you stay focused and steadfast and trying to make you a better version of you tomorrow than you are today we got work to do family we have work to do as a community we have work to do as individuals and we can do it together we just got to start looking at each other differently you are valuable you are adequate you do matter you have worth you have value and you need to know that. You need to understand that. I want you to know to always speak your soul. Always speak your soul. And I love you. And I hope you love me too. Peace.